This episode is brought to you by Levitt Pavilion. This summer, check out one of my favorite outdoor concert venues in Denver, Levitt Pavilion. May through October, Levitt is offering ticketed and totally free all-ages concerts. I feel like we just go to anything that's free because it's like the kids can be at the show and it's people aren't weird about it and you can like bring a picnic. It's awesome. Some of the free shows this season include Iskali, Melvin Seals, War and Treaty, Sunny War, Chali Tuna, and more. To RSVP for free shows and buy tickets, plus see the full concert schedule, go to levittdenver.org. That's levittdenver.org. Today on CityCast Denver, I love an election, even an off-year election, because each time Denverites vote, we learn something new about our city. So what did we learn about Denver from Prop HH and the school board races on Tuesday? And what about Republican Mike Kaufman winning another term as mayor in Aurora? That's why we're going deep on the election results today, plus our wins and fails of the week. Today is Friday, November 10th. I'm Paul Caroli, and here's what Denver's talking about. Welcome back to CityCast Denver, the show about the city where it costs a cool $501 for a deluxe NBA proposal package. <laughs> That's right. You can live your Jumbotron engagement dreams for a mere 500 bones, according to Betway Insider. Wait, what was the $1 from? I'm not sure. I'm not actually sure exactly what they accounted for. They like counted ticket prices and like what it costs to put a message on the Jumbotron. I don't know if it's an actual package, um, but I know one of our guests today is going to know a little bit better. Mm. Uh, it's Friday. It's 5280 Magazine. Breeze out getting surgery. A couple of great guests today. You've heard one of their voices already. The other longtime uh, returning favorite, Joshua Emerson is a stand-up comic, co-chair of the Denver American Indian Commission, former host of the Colorado Mammoth, and as of this week... Can we announce your new gig? Let's do it. Go ahead. Casa Bonita, baby. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come, come by, old Casa Bonita. See, see your favorite Navajo dressed up as the gorilla. All right, having a little bit of hijinks. You, 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 you might see me, uh, you know, being the deputy with uh, my terrible Southern accent. Yeah, nothing like a Native American <laughs> with a Southern accent. All right, as a we, law enforcement yeah, officer. Right, exactly. Yeah, it, it's as a law enforcement officer. That's a sheriff's deputy in Casa know, Bonita. In Casa Bonita, it's problematic. It's like a lot but to unpack fun. here, it's man. It's fun. Yeah. Okay. It's it fun. Yeah. I, I think you've made it your mission to be in the most interesting places. I, I'm really having like a Forrest Gump era right now during Denver. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm just really just tasting a little bit of everything that's that like Denver has to offer. It's like triple reverse cultural appropriation. Like that is the wildest that's thing That's what I've I specialize in. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's, I like to confuse. I was like, should we cancel them? I think it all cancels out. You know? Right. Absolutely. Um, Joshua, the, the 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 engagement thing, the Jumbotron thing, you were the voice of the mammoth. So yeah. you worked at Ball Arena. Sure were you did. ever a part of any engagement proposal things, the Jumbotron, the whole show? No, no. All that stuff is done to make money, and it's totally separate from game presentation. So they have an entire different sales department from game presentation. Really? So they'll do the graphics, and uh, all that stuff is done through game presentation. They have it all set up and everything. But in terms of, like, actual proposals, unless it's, like, a really, like, it's, like, an extra, like, couple thousand to get the uh 
presentation team to be involved in proposal, if that makes sense. So really? like getting like on court, um, to getting like some of the dancers, unless like you know somebody there. And so I mean, that, you want those extra things. Right, exactly. going to send an angry email to Betway Insider. <laughs> <laughs> is wrong. Um, all right, our other guest today, you've heard his voice. Uh, one of my favorite people to talk to about politics. He's a longtime Democratic Party strategist. Let's go with that. Um, and one of the co-hosts of the excellent Get More Smarter podcast, Ian Silveri, welcome back to the show. Gosh, thanks for having me, Paul. It's great to see you. Yeah, you too. It's been a while. Welcome back. Happy election season. And to you as well. Thank God it's over. <laughs> yeah. Um, Ian, have you ever had a, a Jumbotron moment, a special Jumbotron moment? No, it's like, I can't think of anything more terrifying. Yeah. That's Can you imagine if like too. the engagement goes bad? Oh, like the proposal? Yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> just I, cut away, cut away. <laughs> yeah, just just some uh, good advice out there for anybody getting proposed to in a public place. Like it's like say yes in public and then like in private, be like, hey, this isn't going to work out. You know what I mean? Like, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Or yeah. or like set it up ahead of time. Yeah. Like have the proposal, make sure they're going to say yes, and then be like, you want to do it on the big screen? Well, I'm saying the person that is getting proposed to is like, just say yes, get out of that situation, and then say no later. Yeah, but like everything's on social media now. Like people will know. I have the opposite advice. Give me the drama. Give you me the no flame out on, on the jumbotron. Yeah. Oh my god. That's, that's what I want. Can't think of anything worse. Love chaos. I'm at the game for a show. <laughs> um, anyway, we we got to get to our big story of the week. Uh, so, Ian, this is your specialty. We had an election on Tuesday. Not a big election. An election. Uh, there were no major state or local offices up for grabs, but it did reshape our political landscape here in Denver and Colorado in some interesting ways. Um, so we're going to dig into it a little bit. Um, Joshua, I kind of want to start with you. Uh, sure. What what results caught your attention? I mean, I was I was watching Prop Egg Shakes, right? Isn't that the big one that was like on the ballot I think so. this year? Yeah. I don't really know uh, what Tabor. People keep saying Tabor to me, and I think it stands for the Taxpayers' Bill of Rights. That's correct. Right? Oh, that, yeah. that's right. Mm-hmm. And then they kept talking about how it might affect uh, uh, renters' Tabor checks. I was like, who's getting Tabor checks? All right, I want my Tabor check. You got uh, one last year, did I? Yeah, everybody Dang. got the same amount last year oh. and the year before that too. There was a there was like the Colorado cashback. Right, mm, right. That's what he called it. Yeah, yeah. I, I should probably like follow my taxes. I think that'd be a good point, idea. Right? That, yeah, because that's, that's what I'm getting out of this conversation. <laughs> they won't give you a refund if you don't file your taxes. <laughs> exactly. Also, you should definitely file your taxes. Yeah, just just in general. Not a know? lawyer, <laughs> just a friend. Uh, I love it, this perspective though on this election because this for Ian and I we're like hotly watching these this tax policy and like knowing all the, the machinations right. and stuff but like I don't know what you're the regular regular person what what do you think well I guess I guess for me like I, I guess I was happy it failed um and not I wasn't I wasn't super invested because I'm not a homeowner I then in, in general it's hard to feel bad for the increases in property taxes uh when it, there's never like the other side of the discussion of the increases in equity, that the people are building wealth by living here in Denver. That's absolutely true. And, and yeah, you should probably pay more taxes if you're building wealth here by not contributing to the economy. And Colorado yeah. largely, right? I mean, right, this exactly. is a statewide initiative. And and I agree with you, actually. I, I, I think it's unfortunate because I think it was a well-intentioned initiative, HH, mm-hmm. where like, you know, so can I just read 
what voters saw on the ballot <laughs> sure, for AJ yeah, to like kick off this conversation. Mm-hmm. All right, here's here's what a voter saw on the ballot, and with no other information, what they were asked to vote yes or no on. Shall the state reduce property taxes for homes and businesses, including expanding property tax relief for seniors and backfill counties, water districts, fire districts, ambulance and hospital districts, and other local governments, and fund school districts by using a portion of the state surplus up to the proposition HH cap as defined in this measure. What does that do? Yeah, no, I took a nap real quick. Okay. <laughs> That's, that, was, that really lulled me to sleep right there. Okay, yeah. I'll Maybe talk. that could be like a new podcast, like Ian Reed's ballot titles. <laughs> and yeah, I'll pass out immediately. <laughs> That's good, good sleep stuff. Yeah. So I read that to you because it's a, it's a little bit inscrutable, right? Like if I, literally if you only had that much information – you don't really know what you're doing, right? It says, shall the state reduce property taxes, doesn't say by how much, for homes, doesn't say which homes, and businesses, doesn't say which businesses. It says, including expanding property tax relief for seniors and backfill counties. I think that word backfill <laughs> is where you lose most yeah, people. I don't know what that is. What it is, is that property taxes actually go through several different sort of waterfalls on the way from a taxpayer into a government. Mm. And I think like, one of the reasons why I think HH failed, and it failed by, I think, 60, 40, so mm-hmm. 20 points as mm-hmm. of this recording, right, was because most – when Colorado voters – the Colorado voters get asked a lot of questions, right? Every year, every odd year, every even year, we are visited with a lot of direct democracy. They say, hey, voter, I'm going to ask you a bunch of questions. You say yes or no, and then your life is going to change as a result of the outcome of this election, right? Mm-hmm. When you read that sentence, and if you didn't like have the blue book or you didn't go online and Google and didn't like do a bunch of other research, the default position, I believe, for a Colorado voter is no. You have to convince them to get to yes. Do you remember how you voted? Mm. Is that an appropriate question to ask? I mean, yes. Yeah, I voted no. Okay. I voted yes, um, but almost like begrudgingly so because mm. like I knew more about it, I think, than like your average voter. But I really do feel like it had a lot to do – the the defeat and the margin of defeat had a lot to do with the fact that like – Either renters looked at it and said, "My, I'm not mentioned here. There's right. nothing here for me, so buy." And that's mm-hmm. one third of Colorado voters are renters, right? And then the second thing is like, "Well, I don't even know what that means, so I'm just I'm going to vote now because I I have no idea what this is saying. I don't know where the money's coming from. I don't know where it goes. I don't know what it does. And since I don't have time to do research, and I'm just a regular person, I'm going to say no." So you think it was just too much work to find good reasons to say yes for people, and it was just easier. Easier for most folks to stop it now. Yeah, it's a little bit like slapping myself on the back, right? So I helped run Proposition FF, which was on the 2022 ballot, which was free school meals for all kids in public school in Colorado. Mm-hmm. It was very clear. It said higher income people pay more income taxes. Everybody gets free school meals. Says where the money's coming from. Says where it's going, right? And Colorado voters approved that overwhelmingly. This didn't do that. Mm. <laughs> this didn't say where it's coming from. This didn't say where it's going. Kind of, sort of. If you like squint and kind of, you know, look through the the language, you can get there. But I really do feel like the, the language hurt. And I feel like the fact that it was running an off year hurt too. Um, so this measure that uh, is so complicated that we've just talked about, I mean, it was kind of complicated by design because of who made it. This is a signature Governor Jared Polis policy. This is his favorite stuff, is these complicated tax schemes, moving money around, seems to be his specialty. It's kind of a big loss for him. And he, he had another one in the legislative session when he pushed for this upzoning density in urban areas across the state thing that um, that flamed out. He says he's going to bring it back. Two losses in a row. Where does this leave Governor Jared Polis? 
That's, that's a good question. I, I think he's trying to set himself up for after this the role that he's currently in, and it's not looking good, I guess, uh, just having two losses right there in a row. I, I, I'm sort of... Oddly enough, I'm feeling like more and more tired with Jared Polis. Like I, I sort of uh, like want something new. I, I think that's also uh, uh, also like uh, juxtaposed with. Uh, Mike Johnson and the change between Hancock to Johnson, and there was a lot of change, a lot of energy, a lot of momentum here in the city. That I'm um, uh, that unless Polis is able to accomplish good policy that I agree with uh, before his term is end, I'm sort of just sort of done with him and looking for the next person in that role. So let me defend the governor a Go little a little bit here. So please do. Thing one. Um, we interviewed him on Get More Smarter for, uh, after the housing bill failed, mm-hmm. and we asked him, like, hey, what do you think happened? And more or less he said, well, we didn't get preschool done the first time either, so we had to go back the second time and try that again, and we're going to try again on housing. Like, we're going to we're gonna regroup, we're going to figure out how to get a coalition together to pass this bill, and we're going to create a situation where we can have upzoning or more housing built or lower housing prices, et cetera, right? And I think the property tax conversation enters into that calculation altogether. The other thing to remember about the governor is that he just won re-election by 20 percentage points. So his margin was about as big as the margin of defeat for HH. So voters seem to still like this guy, but it's interesting to hear that you're like, maybe not so in love with him at the moment, right? Yeah, I guess I'm tired of him. You know what I mean? Is he that... like just got reelected. Yeah, good for him. You know what I mean? Do some fun stuff that I can get excited about. You so, know what I mean? Fair like, enough. So like, uh, here, here's a couple of things that I think he is, he's going to bring the housing stuff back. That's going to be really important, I think, sure. right? Like housing is a huge challenge in the state. My parents are trying to move here right now mm. from mm. Jersey. And it, it was like a two year long struggle to find something that they could like both afford and wasn't like terrible, right? And we we did find them something and fingers crossed it's it's all going to work out, but it took a long time, right? Mm-hmm. So housing's a big thing. Uh preschool really important, right? I have a 3 and a half 4-year-old, so he's going to be preschool age next year and for as a parent, that's going to be gigantic for us. Preschool in the state is unbelievably expensive. I think it's like more than college tuition mm-hmm. at most universities at this point. We pay like close to $2,000 a month for our kids to go to preschool, which is insane. Right. Absolutely. And it feels uh, like inaccessible. Absolutely. And then free universal kindergarten was another thing that the governor put into place. So like, do you have kids? Uh, No. Okay. I I don't care what she says. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So like, we're just coming at this from different perspectives, right? And like, it seems to me Mm -hmm. that like to address some of your concerns, like there should be some more policy focused on the things you care about. So like, what are you looking for from like the governor right now? Yeah, no. So I'm a renter. And so housing is the biggest thing. It's a, just a, an increase in units, an increase in density, an increase, yeah, and then just lower the price of what I'm paying for rent. Uh, the place where I'm running right now, we're renting for twenty two hundred, and it was sixteen hundred, you know, eight years ago. Oh yeah, and 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 it's there's not real any more benefit that you know eight years to now that I'm experiencing besides the fact that Denver's a cool place to live, um, and it's continuing to get cooler, and it's just it's just frustrating because. So many. I think I'm always I'm always gonna go to bat for renters because there's so many like creatives, people that are actually making the totally. city cool and and building the culture forward uh, on top of what what's already cool here that don't like own own homes and 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 it's a little bit uh, you know it's hard to. 
I, I, I can't imagine buying a house without having one of my parents die. You know what I mean? And that's that. And I feel like that's a pretty common thing for a lot of millennials. So that's the other thing, right? So those interest rates, they're hovering at like seven and a half, eight percent. That mm-hmm. just puts home ownership affordability oh way gosh. out of reach for anybody who's not making, I think it's six figures you need to make in Colorado to like actually afford to buy a house right now. Right. Just, hmm. Yeah. Unsustainable hmm. stuff. Yeah, yeah. He's like, uh, if I want to buy a house, I got to move to Nebraska. Well, big challenge, big challenge for Governor Polis coming up on that housing stuff. And uh, there is talk that he might hold a special session to deal with property taxes. They're talking to Republicans about that now. So we'll see how that goes. Um, but we should talk about the other big races, especially here in Denver, um, where the, the three seats that were up for the school board, as uh, experts predicted the incumbents lost, we've got three new faces uh, three new reform-minded people uh, on the board, all of whom were endorsed by Mayor Mike Johnston, all of whom had big money behind them. Joshua, why don't we start with you? What do you think about this turning point for DPS? Uh, I'm interested to see where it goes. I feel like it has been a pretty toxic environment on the school board for the past couple of years. To say the least. And so uh, in terms of uh, it's a new team and it, the, there's a lot of possibilities uh, on how this new school board can go. Hopefully it can actually work together to, to move forward, I guess. Mm-hmm. And um, it's <laughs> I mean, it's been a traumatic couple of years in Denver, uh, especially uh, like in the schools. Uh, and so. Yeah, I just I'm I'm I guess I'm just more looking forward to uh, just new growth in mm-hmm. the school board. Yeah, I feel like this was a this was a I mean everyone said it was a change environment this election for the school board and um, Ian the DPS these elections are coming in the context of increasingly politicized school board politics across the state. Mm. How do you feel like the DPS races fit into that picture? That's a great question. So, like, luckily we didn't have like this like Moms for Liberty, like ultra <laughs> yes. right wing American birthright curriculum BS. Like they have in like Woodland Park. Did you follow that story at all? Uh, no, not at all, actually. A friend of my pod, Logan Davis, uh, from the Colorado Times Recorder, went down there and did like a seven part investigative series. I think he wrote like thirty thousand words on this. Wow. You can just go listen to our interview with him instead, uh. which is one hour long and barely scratches the surface. But essentially, like back in twenty fifteen, do you remember the Jefferson County School Board got taken over by lunatics and right, then they all yeah. got recalled? A bunch of those same creatures just like Worm their way down I-25 and ended up in Teller County. People? Yeah, this guy, Ken Witt, <laughs> and this other lawyer oh, whose name I forget right now. And they basically just took over this like quiet, small-town Woodland Park school board and started putting this thing called the American Birthright Curriculum into place, which huh. like is one of those like crazy-ass whitewashing history, like slavery mm. never happening, kind of just like lunatic right-wing nutball oh. curricula. I say that because that wasn't the conversation in Denver, right? Mm -hmm. This wasn't some like weird reality bending, like partisan conversation about like indoctrination in schools. This was almost like a more traditional Denver battleground between like the sort of teachers unions, neighborhood school types and the sort of reform, Mayor Johnston, uh, John Youngquist, et cetera. But it's like whiplash in Denver. It seems Mm. like every school board election, which is every odd year, one part of the board or another is up, the other team wins, no matter who's in charge, right? There was a sweep of neighborhood school DCTA endorsed candidates in the last election. Now there was a three out of three on the other side. And to your point, I think people are just exhausted by this. Mm -hmm. They don't want drama. They don't want to think about their school board for one minute after the election. And yet that board has been sucking up a lot of oxygen, Right. Right. And taking up a lot of space lately. So Hmm. I think what most people are hoping for is like a return to normal. 
a like, please just get the job done. But DPS has real challenges. Public safety, I think, was a huge one with mm. all the shootings that happened. I think that was a big reason why Young Quest did so well. Um, the sort of like politicization of the board, not in this like partisan sense, but instead in this just like attention seeking sense where it was like taking up a lot of people's time and energy to think about. And then you have real challenges with enrollment and our school's gonna close, the difference between charters and neighborhood schools. So like these are some real challenges. And like, I think as a result of this race, it's not like the, I guess, reform folks have a majority now. I still think the neighborhood school folks technically have the majority. But I think what Josh is hoping for is what most people are hoping for. The temperature just comes down. These folks find a way to work together and just solve some of these real problems instead of just making a spectacle out of the thing. Yeah, because there's real problems to right. solve. You know, there's there's real work to do. And and that's 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 really what you want is 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 people to yeah to solve these issues. I feel like um I've been thinking about our coverage of the school board a lot lately. And this this framework that you kind of just adopted, Ian, is one that we've run with a lot, which is the the reform folks, that team with the Silicon Valley billionaires on one side, and then the teachers union backed folks on the other side that want to protect the neighborhood schools. I, I just don't know if that's that useful of a way to think about it anymore. Like, I think it's helpful for us to break it down and make it more digestible. But I think regular folks, like when you look at what DPS parents care about, they care about safety. Right. They care about mental health. That's what the students care about too. And like, I think when you looked at these, what the board has done the last two years, it's, it's the responsibility piece. It's the like, who do you trust handling questions that are like of safety of your kids? It's not people who are bickering with each other in the news. It's someone who's just going to be quietly doing the job. I think that's right. And also it's really interesting because like in, typical elections in Colorado, like voters get a signal because there's a D or an R next to the name of a candidate. That right. is not the case in Denver school board races, right? Like everyone's probably a Democrat of some shade or another, but these are nonpartisan races. So there was no code on the ballot for voters. And yet these elections were overwhelmingly decisive. There, None of these were close, right? Yeah. So like voters got the message somehow, whether it was from campaign spending or organizing or good you know, marketing on behalf of the campaigns themselves that like, if you wanted to go away from the current situation, there were three candidates who were basically offering you that, right? Mm -hmm. And it's really interesting to me that that signal seemed to be received loud and clear by the voters and they oh, yeah. reacted to it. Oh yeah. Yeah. The, clearly there was some, uh, some afterglow from Mayor Mike Johnston coming in. I mean, him appearing in the, in that TV ad and endorsing those three. I mean, but like, you guys Mike mentioned Johnston that, right now. Sure they do. And he's got his, you know, hundred days honeymoon period as new mayor. Right. Mm -hmm. But you guys covered this a couple of weeks ago when you did your episode on the school board races, television ads in school board races are a new thing. Yeah. Like going on broadcast TV or cable TV for a school board race, like that's a million dollar proposition. <laughs> like th that's not a cheap thing to do. So <laughs> it is an evolution or a, I guess a, a, a next step in the sort of school board battles where the stakes got raised quite a bit higher. Yeah. Maybe not in Woodland Park though. Joshua, how about that for your next uh, Forrest Gump step? Maybe yeah. you and me go down and take that school board back. Absolutely. Let's go you know, do it. Those ballots us. are still getting counted and it looked like the people who were trying to boot out the sort of ultra right wingers were winning early and then it tightened up. And like, Ooh. as of this recording, I, I don't even know who's <laughs> oh, winning boy. right now. Yeah. Oh no. <laughs> well, we'll have to check in on that one. Um, and uh, I think that's a good place to leave it. We'll obviously be talking more about um, all these issues, uh, especially over the next year as we gear up for a really big election next November. Um, but right now we're going to take a quick break and we'll be back with Rocky Mountain Highs and Lows. After we recorded this conversation yesterday morning, Governor Polis did indeed call for a special legislative session. It's going to start on November 17th and their hope 
is to figure out a replacement for Prop HH to address what Polis calls a record property tax increase. We'll let you know more as those talks get underway. This episode is brought to you by the Colorado Wine Board. Because the wine community here is like surprisingly robust. I mean, think about Bigsby's Folly and Infinite Monkey Theorem here in Denver alone. And there are urban wineries all across the Front Range. Then there's the Western Slope, Peonia, I mean, Palisade, hello, Palisade Wine, are you kidding me? It didn't used to really be a thing, but from what I hear, it's very much a thing now. There are more than 165 wineries across Colorado to explore, and they produce all sorts of wine that reflect our unique culture and climate. So finding a label that you're going to love is easy, no matter where your adventure takes you. Discover it for yourself and support local winemakers at coloradowine.com. That's coloradowine.com. All right, we're back. Uh, It's time for the best way to end the week, Rocky Mountain highs and lows, aka wins and fails. Each of us has picked something that we think is a win and something we think is a fail, something recent, something local, maybe from the week, maybe from, I don't know, hopefully from last week, mine are recent. Um, Who wants to start with the fail? I can start with the fail. Bring it on, Joshua. Yeah, uh, it was Comedy Works New Faces uh, competition last night, and I got fourth or fifth place, and that that's a huge fail for for Denver and for uh, <laughs> the state of Colorado. Yeah, it was the voters yeah, got it wrong. Yeah, on this one. <laughs> it was it was tough. It was tough to see people make the wrong choice. You know, it is what it is. So but, I was know. an attendant. I saw you last night. Yeah, I was there. you did. You were. And uh, first of all, you got robbed. That's Thank you. Very clear. Second of all. I'm unclear about the integrity of this election. And as a person who spends a lot of time fighting election denialism and lies about the 2020 election specifically, Hmm. I never got a ballot last night. Yeah. yeah. Mm. I paid my money. I showed up to I even got a drink at the event. I wanted to vote. I wanted my voice to be heard. And yet. There was no ballot delivered to me. Uh, Common works. We need some transparency. Okay. All right. That. Yeah. We need suffrage. Yeah. Universal <laughs> voting rights at Comedy Works. Absolutely. Yeah. My ancestors died for this. <laughs> they didn't. But <laughs> it is fun to say because there's all only Caucasians in this room. So that's. <laughs> oh boy. Um, I love when you make me uncomfortable, Joshua. <laughs> that's good. You gotta do it a lot. Yeah, it's nice. It's a good feeling for me. I need it. It's a helpful reminder keeps me honest. Uh, Ian, you want to go next with a fail? Yeah. So uh, I kind of misunderstood the assignment, but I'm going to go for it anyway. Um, I thought this was like a win and a fail in like the press because I am just like mm. a weird creature. And <laughs> I'm so excited to hear everything. Yeah. Interested. Here's a headline from the Boulder Daily Camera on November 7th. Boulder mayoral race. Yates leading after Tuesday election results. So Bob Yates was one of the candidates for mayor of Boulder. Yes. Um, and that is true. As of Tuesday, he was winning. But it's 2023. The internet exists. When you do (laughs) articles about elections, you should update them when realities change. As of this recording, Bob Yates is losing to Aaron Brockett, who is winning by with 51.87% of the vote to Bob Yates's 48.13% of the vote. The fact that that headline is still out there is a little bit like Dewey defeats Truman. 
right? Mm-hmm. Like it's incorrect information sitting out there in the world. So as of this morning, I looked at this, that headline still exists. That's a, kind of a media fail. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Should be the case that the person who is winning the mayoral race has a headline that says, actually, this guy is now winning the mayoral race yeah. and this other guy is not. If you were inside that campaign, what would you be thinking about that headline? Which campaign? The, the, the I guess either of them. Or the, the person who rightfully won is more interesting I would absolutely would print be... out a fake newspaper that says Yates defeats Brockett and have him hold it up <laughs> like Truman. Yeah, that would sure. be a real inside baseball joke for me, but I would absolutely spend time and money on it. I've that. got the image in my mind. I, I think a lot of listeners do too. That's a very famous, uh, very famous newspaper. Um, all right, well, I guess it's my turn. Uh, my fail comes to us from the aforementioned Mayor Mike Johnston uh, and his effort to end homelessness in Denver in his first term. We've been following the rollout of this whole project. Mm-hmm. He had these 11 proposed sites for micro communities for people experiencing homelessness all across the city. And he repeatedly has said, including to us several times, it is a big priority for him that these are distributed uh, fairly and evenly across neighborhoods. So there's no concentration of poverty. So everybody you know, does their part. Westward reports this week that the micro community that was planned in my neighborhood, Virginia Village, uh, which I've been driving past and paying attention to the next door chatter on, and everybody seems like kind of okay with it, uh, has been canceled. Uh, so Even next door is okay with it? I know, I know. I keep expecting <laughs> flame wars. That's and like, like normally where like this kind of thing goes to die. I know. I was like kind of proud of my neighborhood. People were like not, but not then being why was super dicks. Well, that's the thing. The fail goes to the Crisana Group, which is the private landowners of the lot at 1380 Birch Street. Um, They are reportedly no longer interested. They're one of three private landowners who've stepped forward to say we have some land that might be good for this, who have now Oh, so this isn't like a Mayor Johnston fail. This is a, these guys promised they would get to use their land and now they're not Yes. What's her name again? The Crisana Group. Crisana Group. Shame on you. Tis, tis, tis. Crisana Group. Big inflatable rat. Let's do this thing. (laughs) You remind me of like a French bakery thing. All right. <laughs> Why don't you make the croissant? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, all right. It's time for wins. Rocky Mountain Highs. Who's got a Rocky Mountain High? Uh, yeah, I'll go first again. Uh, Spirit Airlines is not, they're leaving <laughs> Denver. Thank goodness. Can they take okay. Frontier with them? Uh, yeah, just take all of those, all right? If you work at Spirit, I want to fight you, okay? Let's, uh, yo, catch <laughs> these hands. for this. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, yeah, uh, every time I've, I've flown Spirit, it has, uh, yeah, made me want to be a Spirit, all right? It's made me want to <laughs> leave this earth. <laughs> it's like a comically small, uh, like, table yeah. that really gets oh, me. Oh, they're sarcastic about it. You know what I mean? <laughs> like they're passive aggressive. Be like, oh, here's your table. Yeah. It doesn't even like, fit like a cell phone. No, it's, yeah. So yeah, that, that was a win for me as somebody that travels a lot. I'm like, and, and somebody that is kind of a slut for cheap uh, airplane prices and mm-hmm. will put myself through pain over and over again. It is nice that somebody can save me for myself mm-hmm. and they, they can leave. And so. So Spirit, I, I don't know much about the airlines and how they choose where to be, but Spirit seems like a competitive frontier, right? Is that why they're leaving the frontier? They're actually owned by the same people. Really? No way. Yeah. yeah. So they're owned by the same people. And so really, I think what the idea is, is that Frontier is going to make this more of a hub. Mm-hmm. I mean, it already is a hub for Frontier, but they're just going to sort of have Spirit focus on other markets and just expand Frontier here. I think that's the idea, but mm-hmm. I'm not 100% sure. 
It is it is a more well known brand here. Mm-hmm. I don't know, how especially with the feel animals and everything. Yeah, I knew the guy who designed that marketing campaign. Oh, really? By the way. Yeah, he told me the story once about how he figured out or like how they decided to put the animals on the on the pack. Yeah, thing. they it's reached good. out to the Denver Zoo for a sponsorship thing. Oh uh, yeah? yeah, I can say that now because I don't work there. <laughs> Yo, ask me any <laughs> secrets about the Denver Zoo. I'll tell you right now. Okay. Why are their hours so terrible? Um, yeah, the city council. And on is a, that really it? No, I just like to blame okay, politicians. Yeah, yeah. I love it. <laughs> Good. Easy target. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Ian, you want to go with the Rocky Mountain High? Um, this is very selfish. Uh, on our podcast, we refer to Lauren Boebert as our eighth favorite member of Congress from Colorado <laughs> because we are a positive peep. And the uh, Sunday Denver Post headline in the paper paper was either they love her or hate her in like the biggest typeface I've ever seen in my life. She's like holding a baby and shaking a hand. (laughs) So this was a big win for people who uh, are sick and tired of the spectacle and don't want Beetlebert to embarrass us any further on the national stage. And not only was there a large article by John Aguilar in the Denver Post where he went down to the district and talked to a lot of people who were just kind of sick of this nonsense. There was a similar article in Colorado Public Radio the New York Times, and the Washington Examiner, which is notable because that is a newspaper owned by Colorado right-wing billionaire Phil Anschutz that tends to be pretty conservative. Mm -hmm. So maybe she's getting cut loose. She's in a primary right now against a guy named Jeff Hurd, who is actually raised about half a million dollars, the biggest challenge she's ever seen from the right. That's not nothing. And then, of course, her Democratic— I'm going to be, like, really honest right now, which maybe I shouldn't be. That's why you're here for it. Yes, and that troubles me. Because I think, because I'm an Adam Frisch fan. You'd rather have yeah. Frisch run oh, against Bobert. Yeah. Frisch beats yeah. Bobert in the general. I'm pretty sure about that. I I get a little less confident if he's running against Jeff Hurd. Although Adam Frisch has raised a shocking amount of money, four point six I think million dollars as of the last reporting period. So he'll be able to mount a good campaign against anything. But the reason why he's gotten so much momentum is because he's running against her, and mm-hmm. the people in the district are just sick of this. Hmm. Yeah. And I used to live in the Western Slope and there is, she is a prototype of a particular person in the Western Slope. It's crazy. It's like a cartoon version of that, except that, you know, they write laws and, and vote in Congress. You yeah. Know? It's terrifying. Right. And yeah. like in her case specifically, she's just like a massive, horrible hypocrite, right? Like sure. tries to make it illegal to be gay or trans or whatever. And then like does like the over the pants dance with her boyfriend in the Buell Theater. It's just like. Who is a Democrat? Which was hilarious to me. You know, what's really weird. Yeah. He's not a Democrat. Oh, really? That somehow permeated the it conversation. Did. The it vote, did. So voter files are public information. Mm-hmm. And you can look up anybody's registration in Colorado. So I was like, oh, Quinn Gallagher is this person's uh-huh. name. He's a bar owner. And asked my dude has been unaffiliated his whole life. Oh, okay. So he's not a Democrat. He's not a Republican. Hmm. But that, I think, got started in like the London, like the UK Well, she basically tabloids. confirmed it because one of her responses was, I should check the party affiliation of the people I date better. Uh-huh. Which was one of the kind of responses that sounded like it came more from her aides than her to be yeah, fair to her. Is, right. But I, I that's, yeah. that sounds like her just reacting to the story that like the narrative that already came out. Right. Exactly. Like but huh. yeah, no, dude was not a Democrat. That's so funny. Well, hey, there you go. don't kill my dreams. Sorry. Okay. Man. Yeah. Exactly. Um, I don't <laughs> apologize. She was still really rude to the staff. Yelled at a pregnant lady and said the uh, classic politician phrase. Do you know who I am? That's so funny. I want to be at the place where I can say that to somebody. All right. Just start saying it. <laughs> I know who you are. I saw you last night. You were on a stage. Like you, you more famous than me. Uh, 
Well, uh, all right, I'll go. Um, my win is um, more the kind that uh, you just got to give it up to him. You know, you just got to give it up to him. He's got a uh, big win here. Who it is? Republican Mike Kaufman wins his second term as mayor in Aurora. Uh, the man once known as Homeless Mike for the stunt he pulled, oh. dressing up as an unhoused person and walking the streets of Aurora. <laughs> Super crazy. That's seems not like great. That was one of the big issues in the race. And he had this whole jobs first approach where he, that I guess he learned all about while he was talking talking to people on this few days that he spent um, cosplaying. And uh, so he won. So yeah, he beat Juan Marcano, the progressive, mm -hmm. and this other guy who's a, a vet, Jeff Sanford. Um, four more years for Mike Kaufman and Aurora. Yeah, I think he outspent uh, Juan like 193,000 to like 95,000. So like- hmm. And that's not even including like the independent money, the soft money, the dark money. Like right. there was a, I think a half a million dollars on top of that that went to help Kaufman and mm -hmm. conservatives. Ian, you had a theory here. Tell us, what, what's this uh, real I've story? i got like so many feelings about this. <laughs> uh, I can't wait to hear them. So uh, we discussed this earlier, but municipal races and odd year races in Colorado, including school board and city council, are nonpartisan. That means mm. that there's no D or R next to anybody's name on the ballot, right? If you look at the Aurora delegation from congressional Jason Crow down to state legislative like Imanja Day or uh, she's in the House or um, Rhonda Fields in the Senate, universally Democratic. Like Kevin Priola was a Republican who represented a part of Aurora and he switched parties to be a Democrat. Uh -huh. So like that was the last registered Republican who ran as a Republican in Aurora to get elected, right? Juan Marcano, he's a friend, like I just disclosed there. I think he's great. I really hoped he was gonna win, got outspent. If he had a D next to his name on the ballot and Kaufman had an R next to his name on the ballot, I am pretty sure that Juan would have won that race. That's so interesting. Voters in Aurora are very progressive. It's the third largest city. It's the first most racially diverse city in the state. And yet, because of the spending disadvantage and the fact that voters did not know who the Democrat or the Republican was, I'm pretty sure that's why Mike Hoffman ended up getting reelected. Hmm. I don't know about that. I feel like you got to give voters a little bit of credit. You know, they know this guy. They know Mike Kaufman. He's been around for four years and a lot before that, too. He's been in public office here. We know he's a Republican. But he got decimated in that congressional race in 2018 by Jason Crow, just flatlined, mm. right? Mm. So that's that's my evidence for I'm a little bit suspicious of this. I think- I hear you. I like your theory. If you have a massive spending advantage and nobody knows you're a Republican and you have some residual name ID left over from your time in Congress, I think those three things build an advantage that you wouldn't have had otherwise and what I would consider to be a fairer fight, letting voters know what party you're really from. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I, something that was interesting to me is that the Elijah McClain like decision didn't have any like effect on the on the election at all, it feels like, in terms of like having to swing for progressives. We've, uh, we've had two officers in those trials uh, found not guilty, right. just to catch so folks up, and one folk crazy. guilty. There's one yeah. more trial to go of the paramedics. Elijah McClain was the 23-year-old black man who was uh, – killed on the street by these five uh, law enforcement types, 2019. I mean, it's just like heartbreaking that there's no accountability for this yeah. at all. It's just really shocking. How do you think it, so you think like a bigger backlash to that would have put more progressives in office? So here's the thing, mm. Allison It Coons, could have energized people. I see what Josh was saying. I, I'm kind of surprised too. It's not like conservatives had like a sweep of the, of the elections there or anything. Allison Coombs, who ran as an open progressive, is an open progressive for the at-large seat, was the top vote getter in the at-large race. So mm -hmm. while voters put Mike Kaufman back into office as mayor for another term, they also gave the most progressive at-large candidate four years in office at citywide elected on the city council. So I think that's notable as well. Hmm. Mm. Here's a question I have for you, Ian, coming out of this. Mike Kaufman, 
maybe he didn't run as a Republican. He's a Republican. Yeah, that's a win for Republicans in this state. Pretty rare these days. Is there anything you think Republicans might take away from his race or might learn from him? Yeah, you can win when no one knows you're a Republican. <laughs> that certainly that. seems to help a lot, right? So yeah. uh, Republicans in the state have have gotten their asses kicked basically every single election cycle since 2018 with a few exceptions. Those exceptions are some local school boards, some city councils and ballot initiatives, right? Every year there's like an income tax cut. Republicans are running that, right? But Joe O'Day got crushed by Michael Bennett by about 16 points. Heidi Ganahl gets crushed by Jared Polis by 20 points. Voters in the state are not ready to give registered Republicans a chance yet. They may at some point, right? Colorado's been a swing state for a while. The pendulum goes back and forth. We've been solidly blue since 2018. But just as far back as 2016, Republicans still had a majority in the state Senate, and Cory Gardner got elected uh, to the U.S. Senate statewide in 2014. So this is not exactly ancient history. It's 10 years ago at this point. But Democrats and progressives need to understand that there is no such thing as a permanent majority in a state like Colorado. Mm -hmm. And if they want to stay in power, they need to make sure that they're always doing the things that the voters really want and that they elected them to do. Otherwise, voters are willing to give the other party a chance. Well, dang, that's a pretty good note to end on here yeah, on our absolutely. election wrap-up show. I mean, we got a lot of interesting issues playing out in the legislative session next spring we'll be watching. And then, of course, that big election I mentioned next November. Ian, you're going to have to come back and talk to us more about all this. Aww. You're going to have to twist my arm. I love <laughs> CityCast. Thank you so much for having me. And obviously, you guys are always welcome to come back on the Get More Smarter oh, podcast. It's the best. It's so me fun. too. You want to come on the show? <laughs> sure. All right, Ian Joshua, this was great. Thanks so much for joining me. Oh, it's been my pleasure. Come, come see me at Casa Bonita, all right? You, uh, when you see the Gorelli, you, it might be me. That's all for the week here on CityCast Denver. Our producers this week were me, Paul Caroli, and Olivia Jewell-Love. Peyton Garcia and Adrian Gonzalez write our morning newsletter, Hate Denver. Our host, Bree Davies, will return next week. Our music is by Los Mocochetes, with additional mixing by Tyler Lindgren. If you haven't already, subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts, rate us five stars, follow us on Instagram at CityCastDenver, and tell Aurora Mayor Mike Kaufman about us the next time you see him. You can sign up for that daily newsletter I mentioned and learn more about us at denver.citycast.fm. See you next week. Is this a story everybody knows? We just it's like a I mean, legendary pretty... '90s lore. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, because they they sewed it back on, and then he had like a career in like the adult film industry. Wait, I missed that part.